0: Hello and welcome to the first episode of the second season of our podcast series, Why Care? This podcast is all about modern-day topics that people, especially our younger generation, should care about. Today's episode is the debate over vaccines.
1: The history of vaccines can be traced all the way back to China in 1000 AD against smallpox. These techniques soon spread to surrounding areas including ancient Africa and Turkey. However, vaccines didn't hit the U.S. until 1721 when the church still held almost all power over the people and Puritan minister Cotton Mather encouraged smallpox vaccination in response to an outbreak. The vaccine continued to undergo changes for the next 100 years or so. It continues to sustain minor tweaks to this day. Advocating for vaccines only officially began when James Madison signed into law an act to encourage vaccine vaccination, it, which set off a chain reaction to individual states to mandate vaccinations for public school children. This is where things go south. Almost instantaneously, these vaccination laws were com- were combated by journalism and anti-vax groups, stating worries about the vaccination process to be more evil than the disease itself.
0: The anti-vax movement didn't have any worthy arguments until Andrew Wakefield and his claims of autism. Wakefield thought that he had found a connection between child vaccinations and autism. Anti-vaxers instantly scrambled for the first glimmer of hope in the radical movement. Investigation into the research proved that Wakefield had been falsifying medical information. The research was deemed incorrect and Wakefield was stripped of his medical license. However, this did nothing to discourage the raging anti-vaxxers who took this iota of hope about autism link and applied it to all vaccines. This made it very difficult for any vaccine development to occur in the face of outlandish arguments from the anti-vax community.
2: Let's start with some pros and cons about the vaccinations. The first pro is what's called a the bubble theory. And the bubble theory basically states that If everyone around a certain group of people, usually a small group of people who, due to health issues or something related to health issues, simply can't get vaccinated, then if everyone around them does get vaccinated, we can protect those who aren't. The issue with the bubble theory is that if more and more people join the anti-vax movement and more people stop being vaccinated, then the bubble we're trying to protect grows bigger and bigger, and soon it'll be too big to protect the small but now a growing number of anti-vaxxers in the world
0: all right uh, the requirement of childhood vaccinations fulfills the safe and healthy learning environment promised by public schools basically public schools make a commitment to provide a safe and healthy learning environment for children by requiring kids to come into school vaccinated they can ensure that this promise is being fulfilled
1: Many horrible diseases have been eradicated. Most notably, smallpox has been completely eradicated because of vaccines. Polio, measles, tetanus, and others are working towards being eradicated as well. The benefits of these vaccines is that by getting vaccinated, you're helping eliminate and eventually eradicate these sometimes deadly diseases.
2: Also, not worrying about vaccines allows us to focus attention in more important areas. With the threat of contracting deadly diseases eliminated to a great extent it allows us to put our efforts in areas that need more attention today the issues of environment food production and interplanetary travel are all very important with vaccines the ability to work on these issues has greatly increased
0: living in the western world means better quality of life generally speaking the western world is very progressive in the world of medicine with improved medicine comes better vaccines and better solutions to health problems By simply living in the Western world, you are almost guaranteed a better quality of life because of these health benefits.
1: Now, even with all these pros, the anti-vax movement has raised a few cons. Some claim that vaccines threaten individual freedom. As someone living in America where individual freedom is so important, some people can get very discouraged by mandatory vaccines. The irony in this is that in some cases, by making them mandatory, it may be more discouraging than if it were an option.
2: Also, kids are inundated with vaccines at a young age. Today, more than ever, newborn children and toddlers are overwhelmed with vaccines. All parents are concerned about what goes into their child, and some are wary of what chemicals are in the vaccines and what could happen to those children.
0: We need to build our immune system up, not coddle it. One of the more rugged beliefs is that to be healthy and strong, we must expose our immune system to different viruses or diseases in order to build it up and prevent us from getting sick. They argue that vaccines prevent our immune system from being exposed to a myriad of diseases. Therefore, we're coddling it.
2: I'm here with Ben Helbovic, physician's assistant in Newport. And Ben, could you provide some basic information on the new COVID vaccine that is out right now? Sure.
3: Yeah. So the COVID-19 vaccines currently being distributed are Pfizer and Moderna. Just a little brief, because I know there's a lot of people worried that it was rushed through or we didn't have enough participants in it, but roughly there were about 44,000 people in the Pfizer trial from Germany to South Africa, to Turkey, to the United States, to Brazil, trying to cover all the continents that they could. They went through the the process when it was completed they went through their normal uh, three phases of development presented it to the FDA and it went through on warp speed because it was it became the most important thing so if there was a solution for hair regrowth for male pattern baldness that was up next to be reviewed that got pushed back and COVID-19 vaccine got pushed forward so that's how it got through so fast it didn't skip steps it it just became the most important thing in the world. It's a mess. It's a messenger RNA. So you're not getting COVID. You're not getting live COVID. You're not getting killed COVID. You're not getting COVID in the vaccine. The vaccine itself is a messenger RNA. Some lipids, some sodium, uh, some potassium, some phosphate. No preservatives. So that's why it has to be stored almost a hundred degrees below zero Fahrenheit. And the, what a messenger RNA is, is it's, it's, in, the, it's in the name. So it's, the de- designation of this RNA is to deliver a message into the cell, into the ribosomes, to create and synthesize proteins that um, the blueprints that were de- delivered are to identify uh, spike proteins. So it quickly builds some spike proteins. The human body then says, that's not right. We, we can't live with you. So it attacks the spike proteins and therefore kills it, doesn't allow it to reproduce. So the first uh, scene, the first dose you get is the introduction, the primer, so to speak, where you're delivering the blueprints to the cell. The proteins are now synthesizing these amino acids, getting all set and starting to kill anything with a spike protein on it. And as you, everyone knows by now, those pretty little molecules you see with the red little spikes all over it that's that's the COVID you know coronavirus it's a and so the body may have a little bit of a reaction the first time and then the second dose with that you get it's sort of now taunting the human body saying hey I've got some more spike proteins what are you going to do about it and then that's where you go from around 50% 50% um, after the first dose to 95% immunity after one week after the second dose on the Pfizer study. Cool. Excellent information.
2: Now, as this podcast, it's not only about the COVID vaccine, it's about vaccines in general. So although it's kind of based around the, the ongoing COVID pandemic, we're wondering how as a physician's assistant, when you're faced with patients who may not want to get vaccinated, how do you, how do you respond to them? How do you kind of walk them through their choices that way?
3: Uh, A good question. So today being barely over 50, but over 50, I, a couple hours ago, I got a vaccine for the shingles virus. And we have a lot of really smart people who I I can't understand when they speak, but they live in a lab, they have beakers, they do these tests, they test them out on tens of thousands of people. And they come up with evidence-based medicine that if you apply this vaccine, it will reduce or eliminate the chance of you getting that said illness. That is terribly important. So today I got the, the, my second shingles shot because shingles is a, a painful uh, re-eruption of chicken pox that we had as a child or not, not you guys, you guys got the vaccine, but um, you know, Bernie Rubble and myself, we, got, we actually had chicken pox. And then, um, you know, well child checks, even as you get older into the teenage realm, um, I'll use HPV vaccine, human papillomavirus. It's, it's known uh, to cause a lot of problems uh, from just regular warts to uh, genital warts, to cervical cancer, to squamous cell cancer on the penis that would require surgical fix, not so good. Um, and we know through years and years of studies we put these vaccines out and we're saving, we're saving tens of thousands of lives of, of young women in their 20s not dying from cervical cancer, from the HPV. We're saving men not having to have surgery on their penis to cut off squamous cell cancer. We're saving uh, people from getting oropharyngeal cancers. Um, these vaccines aren't just whipped up overnight. Uh, it's, it's a real deal and it affects all of us.
2: And then one other question that was brought up, and this is actually what some of the movement, the anti-vax movement kind of rallies behind this point as, you know, as a child nowadays, they say that, that children are just so inundated with, the, with these vaccines. I mean, once you're born, you have to get so many vaccines. Do you think that it really is an inundation? Do you think there's any harm to that? Or has it is it really going to be okay to kind of put all those vaccines into the children?
3: That's a, that's a, that's a good question because I've been getting this for years. What, when you get, you bring in your newborn and a couple months of age, we give them the Haemophilus influenza B. So that's a, that's a vaccine. You're going to get that vaccine. A couple months later, we're going to give it to them again. A couple months later, we're going to give it to them again. And we're not inundating. What we're doing is we're taking the potency of this and we're just giving you just a dash of it. So their immune system gets exposed to it and starts its normal process. We don't just dump the full bucket of, of what you need for Hib. We give it to you in small amounts Um, and we try to space it out as again, evidence-based medicine would show that you don't have to worry about your, your child's immune system being overwhelmed. And I personally work with families and if they're, they're, hesitant about receiving three shots in one, one visit, you know, talk to your provider and, you know, often I'll say, why don't we do one now and come back in two weeks and we're going to get his next shot in two weeks. And, uh, and that's perfectly fine. But when it comes to autism, you know, there's uh, of course, some big celebrities out there that are uh, pushing, you know, anti-vax, it's causing autism. If you have a consistent primary care pediatrician, uh, we pick these things up way before the parents do, this is something we can start seeing at two months of age, way before we're even giving them the, the immunizations. The only immunization he had at that point was in the hospital. All right, that,
2: that makes a lot of more, that makes a lot of sense. And I actually addressed some of the other cons that we had brought up earlier in the podcast, which I think provides some good information because, you know, it's so easy to rally behind this, you know, this movement of autism or inundation. And by, you know, explaining how it actually works and using logic, to, to describe it is good. Um, finally, Ben, and, and this has been kind of shown through your answers before, but do you personally have any, you know, opinions or beliefs as far as vaccines go, either as a father and as a doctor, any kind of last thing you want to
3: put out there? Well, I'll contradict myself now. Uh, I, I don't really believe in the flu vaccine. I believe, I believe in the evidence-based medicine vaccine. The flu vaccine, and and this is going to give fuel to the the anti-vaxxers, but is, is the government's best guess for next year, not what we're doing with COVID. People are asking, well, how do we know if it's going to work? Well, because we tested it, we theorized it, we tested it, we know it works. The flu vaccine, it's a guess into into you know what's coming. You know, hope we're right, hope you know we didn't miss it, and often we've missed it with that. I, from the very beginning, when we identified the COVID 19 and they started coming up with a vaccine, instantly my thought was finally we're going to get a new method for the flu vaccine and other vaccines because they're using new technology that just blows your mind um, how we could in the future be able to get an Indonesia flu strain that we've never seen before and within three hours there's going to be a lab in California that comes up with the solution of the vaccine to make and then be able to to get it through quick proper channels and come up with a flu vaccine that will work and not have to incubate in eggs and everything else so I'm very much for vaccinations personally I'm not for the flu vaccine because I think it's a guess but you know it's your life you know in teenagers you should be thinking about HPV you should definitely be thinking about Meningococcal meningitis vaccines. There's two that you'd be you'll be offered, and, and you know when you do go to college and hopefully get to experience the dorm life and not the remote life. You're going to be exposed to germs. Your bodies are still going to be growing. You're going to be taxing yourself at 20 hours a day. You need everything on your side to not get meningitis, uh, to not get anything else. So um, it, these vaccines are are true medicine. Wonderful. Thank you very much.
0: Why Care? In the past 60 years, vaccines helped eradicate smallpox and are close to eradicating polio.
1: Why Care? Vaccines prevent more than 2.5 million deaths each year.
2: Why Care? Scientific studies show no relationship between vaccines and autism.
0: Why Care? Vaccines can stop severe viruses that can kill millions of children each year. Why care if we stop
1: vaccinations, deadly diseases will return and simply staggering amounts of people will die.
2: Thank you for listening to this episode of WhyCare. care We appreciate all of your support and hope you will continue to do so. More places to support us are on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, with all of our handles being at YCarePodcast. Also, feel free to email us with any feedback or questions at y at gmail.com. Thanks.